When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Jay Scott, and you are listening to The Hook, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone's having a good day. My guest today is Justin Barron, who is visiting us for a second time. What's going on, Justin? Hey, man. What's going on? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm, I'm good, Jay. Just uh, listening to a little uh, Van Halen. There you go. Uh, about an hour ago, getting, getting ready for for uh, this discussion. How did you know I was going to ask you what... It's the last thing you listen to. Oh, I, I did. I did. I just, I just <laughs> wanted to get, uh, re, you know, I just kind of want to get reconnected with what I love about these guys and, and what has uh, stoked me or kind of moved me in the past. You know? What Van Halen album are you listening to? You know, I, I uh, so I went back and I listened to a couple couple tracks on OU812 and I listened to a couple tracks on 5150. And then I went back I, you know, I played little guitars on Diver Down, and then I went back to, um, you know, I, I pulled up 1984. Um, I, I, I specifically was just listening, you know, like like different drum sounds, just the kind of the vibe and the, and, and the spirit of it, you know. Because to me, there's something magical in, in all of it, or most of it, I'll say. Yeah, Van Halen's always been that band that people identify. I mean, especially people from our generation. When you think back of yeah. us growing up, and we grew up in neighboring towns, Van Halen was huge, gigantic. When you think yeah. back of yeah. you know 1984 into 5150, the seamless transition from one vocalist to another, very few bands have yeah. been able to successfully do that. You know, for every Bon Scott, Brian Johnson, Daily Roth, Sammy Hagar, there are several several examples we can give where it absolutely bombed and it absolutely failed. And I think one of, one of the reasons why the David Lee Roth fans and the Sammy Hagar fans, why it's so polarizing is because David Lee Roth just had a huge presence and Van Halen had a huge swagger because of that presence during his 
period of time in the band. Where Sammy Hagar, it was a more polished sound. It was a more, I don't want to say pop sound, but it was more keyboard oriented. It was more, less guitars, more keyboards. I think the songwriting on each were just as good. I think, you know, a lot of people like to sell Sammy Hagar or Daily Ross short on the songwriting. You look look at the lyrics on some of those albums with him. They're great. But Sammy, you know, bringing that whole new element in, into Van Halen was just as good. I don't understand why it has to be one or the other with a lot of people. I don't understand why you can't enjoy both periods of Van Halen. I don't understand why whenever there's a post about Van Halen on social media, there's always the people that comment, oh, Van Hagar sucks. Oh, you know, Van Halen is Dio Roth. I don't get it. Yeah. What do you think? Well, it's interesting, man. You know, because... You know, why can't I love, like, enjoy, and appreciate both incarnations of Van Halen? Um, For a lot of people, you know, that I encounter, some friends and whatnot, you know, it's kind of like a Cubs versus Sox or Bears versus Packers kind of deal, you know. You you can't like them both, you know. You can't like ketchup on a hot dog or something bad. Perhaps for me it was, you know, know, really coming to know – Van Halen as little, you know, as, as, as a kid with the, the, the jump video and the Panama video on uh, 1984. And then the transition a couple years later, you know, when I'm in junior high to Sammy Hagar, where maybe I didn't have the, you know, I mean, David Lee Roth was cool. He was a presence on MTV, you know, and he's, in, he's, in, he's got a cameo and weird science, and, you know, his, his California girls video was all over. I mean, he was definitely a personality and, and he was awesome. You know, for me, I think it was hearing, uh, actually, OU812 finding me and just listening it, to it because it was Van Halen with a new singer that I was vaguely familiar with. But the, the music, it was, it was, it was just as epic as the first thing, but it was, it was a little different in the same family. You know, I, I, I've just been moved by all of it, you know. I, I don't know why. It, it, it's not an either or thing with me and some of my friends give me a lot of crap for that that's fine <laughs> you know i'll take it yeah i've you always know. been able um, to enjoy both both versions i've always thought yeah. they were they were equally good but just different yeah totally you, you know i feel like the, the roth album the first roth album like all of that stuff is like perfect and then for me the first three van hagar albums you know 5150 08 went to, you know, those two especially, and then the, and the form Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, and then the live album sort of a bookend. To me, that, that, that's a really good body of work right there. I, you know, I, I kind of fell off. It wasn't, it wasn't connecting with me so much around balance, and I, I, I could definitely speak to that, but there was something, there was something about the spirit of what was going on from the 70s into the 80s. You know, they are definitely, uh, you know, players in that game, you know, uh, uh, you know, the setter of trends of that, those generations. And I think, um, you know, people want to compare voices. They want to compare, you know, who's got a better dynamic range, who's got this, who's got that. And just like, you know, I, I, I mean, I can tell you the pros and cons of either of those. You know, I, I, you know, I, can, I just talk about what I, what I, what I like and love about those guys. And, then I'll, and, I'll, and I'll go out there for Hagar too. 
yeah, you know, there, there, there's a real specialness for me, at least with those, you know, 5150 and OU812, because those really spoke to me when I was like in seventh grade. Yeah, the, well, those are the albums that connected with you first, right? I mean, that was your, was that your introduction into Van Halen, you know, as. No, as, I mean, I think 1984 was. I had the single, the 45, the jump, and on the back, the flip side was, was House of Pain, and I actually gave it to my friend for, I think it might have been his first or second grade third grade one of those birthday parties we were little you know i was familiar with the 84 album i didn't own it but i i knew it but you know i was in junior high and and um the guy's locker was next to me this guy jim carnstead he was a new guy and he had that oua on two cassette and my mom had gotten me a um you know, like a boom box with the two cassette decks in there yeah and so yeah. i took his tape home and i i, I made a dub of it and I would just listen to it on my headphones at night. It was just, I don't know, it was just like a coming of age period for me. But that album, especially Mine All Mine, like, you know, there's, there's, there's kind of a spirituality in there that, that's not necessarily like, like a religion, but there's something that Sammy is kind of connecting with for me that, that, that's really serious, but it's really rock and roll, you know? And Sammy's a 70s rocker, you know, and 70s rock was sort of, I, I think there's like a, I don't want to say religion, but there's a there's a spirituality to like you know arena rock and connecting a lot of people together. And there's there's I think that's what Hagar where Hagar kind of took it. I think he took it from this sort of loud gathering, the big party, and he took that party, but sort of connected to the you know there's something about it. You know, it's like like what the Wild Stallions and Bill and Ted's were talking about. Bill and Ted's. Uh, excellent adventure we're talking about van halen being this band that sort of balanced the universe or whatever it was but i feel like sammy kind of connected into that of you know definitely on 5150 and oh you you know i mean they, there's a darwin statue on the back it's sort of about the you know like you know you know, you know man sort of um you know struggle with like these greater ideas and, and, then, and it's still heavy and it's got balls and it's pop you know and, you know they, they were like a pop metal band you know that's why you know, they kind of was able to revolutionize revolutionize the radio. You know, they were an MTV band, but I mean, they were better than that. You know, they were better than the videos. The videos were just cherry on top of that. And Hagar came in with just these, there were, there were ballads and there were these, these epic things, you know, at least as, you know, young teenager, they really spoke to me. I don't know, there's some, there's some soul there on uh, those first two Van Hagar and, and, and even the third one, too, the Fallen Lawful Carnal Knowledge. Well, what I, what I remember about OU812 is, of course, Mine Oh Mine. The big hit was When yeah. It's Love. You know, you had the yeah. Yeah. the bluesy finish what you started. But they also had like Sucker in a Three Piece, which was just an incredible song. AFU, Naturally Wired. Uh, Source of Infection yeah. was a great song. Cabo Wabo. Yeah, uh, was yeah. just yeah. A, another. Cabo was so good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that riff yeah. is just a killer riff on that on that album and that, and that song is just incredible in 5150, which I believe was produced by Mick Jones from foreigner. And I, and I love that record too. I mean, best of both worlds, love walks in dreams, uh, 5150, the, the title track, good enough summer nights. I mean, it just goes on. The one thing I didn't like about that record and I have trouble with it today is the sound of the drums. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound. It doesn't sound natural. It sounds artificial, and that's the one issue I have with that record. Yeah, remember you were you were you were mentioning that about White Snake, you know? And I went back and listened to White Snake, 
you know, and there's there there's definitely a signature sound to the snare on that. Yeah. You know, and I, I was connecting White Snake to like Van Halen, like when it's love, like like the junior high slow dance ballad. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I, I was thinking about. You know, there's when it's love, and then there's um, you know, uh, is this love or um, here I go again or the deeper here the I love, go again. Yeah. right, right, yeah, yeah. And that, and that's like that's like in uh, Days Confused, like the Nazareth song, Love Hurts. You know, it's mm-hmm. like when you see the kids at the party, they're making out. And, <laughs> and uh, to me, I mean, I had I had uh, when it's love playing you know, at my junior high band, you know, and and White Snake too, and it was very of that that time. But so I listened to those albums. Cause I was thinking about like you know them, and then like you know Kiss was in that that time doing uh you know their take on. That, that sort of that, that corner of rock, you know, wh- whatever they were, you know, but those guys knew what it was. They sort of made the trend, this hair metal party sort of coming out of the 70s, sort of uh, MTV, you know, very glossy, very pop ballady, heavy enough for the guys, but sweet enough for the girls, you know. Well, I yeah, think these guys are definitely heavier, you know. Um, oh, I'm sorry. So you, you're talking about the drums, though, but the drums, I think, I think the drums on 5150 are electronic drums. Yeah. Uh, mixed in with some acoustic drums. I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know for certain. I'm just going on, just going to take a guess on that. And I've heard people online, you know, say they didn't like the drums as well. I know that's a common uh, critique. Um, it, it's, it's nothing that's ever jumped, something that's never jumped out at me. You know, I, I've enjoyed them with the drums. I also, and the drums are different than the, the, hate, the, the rock stuff too. Yeah. Well, I think you know, we're talking 1985, 86 with 5150. Back then, I think that was the trend. A lot of, I don't want to say necessarily say rock bands were using it, but a lot of popular bands at the time were using electronic drums. They were using, yeah. um, you know, that type of technology in the in the production. It was kind of like a, it was kind of a trendy thing to do, especially in pop music. You know, Mick Jones coming yeah. from comes from Foreigner. They have more of a poppy arena rock sound. He incorporates that in the Van Halen record. Doesn't make it a bad record. I still think it's a kick-ass record. I just would love to hear more of a feel on the drums that Alex Van Halen is known for than an electronic drum sound. That's 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 my one issue with it. Uh, this, I mean, yeah, you know, you think of Sammy's voice on that album and the songwriting, and what people don't realize, and what a lot of Roth hard hardcore Roth bands don't realize is Van Halen was headed in that direction. If you look at 1984 with the keyboards to jump and I'll wait, and there was even on dancing in the streets on diver down, you know, a keyboard, there was a keyboard element to that song. So, so Eddie was very much evolving into that. You know, he started out as a piano player before he picked up the drums and then he picked up the guitar so he was, he had an interest in kind of evolving into that. And David Lee Roth was very resistant. Now, there was always problems between the Van Halen brothers and Roth, as David Lee Roth recently has confirmed in, a, in an interview that they, didn't, they never liked each other from the very beginning. It created a lot of magic in their music. But the only reason David Lee Roth was allowed to join Van Halen, well, there's two reasons. Number one, Eddie was the singer when they were just young kids and they were playing around at, at backyard parties before they before they broke or before they hit the strip in, in Hollywood. And he didn't want to sing. He did not want to sing. He just wanted to concentrate on guitar. And the other reason was is that 
the band that Dave Lee Roth was in had a had a soundboard that Dave Lee Roth's father, who was a dentist at the time, bought him and his band, and it was a pretty good soundboard. So when the Van Halen brothers and Michael Anthony were talking about who to get as a singer, they knew Dave Lee Roth. They they didn't like Dave Lee Roth. They didn't like the way he was, and he seems to have be the same way he is now as he was then. They agreed to do it predominantly for those two reasons. But that you know that pretty much was confirmed by by Dave Lee Roth, and it, the friction obviously caused so much, or, or, or was the reason for so many great songs and so many great albums. That tension, that friction between all of them, you can hear it in the music. Yeah, but there yeah. were there were ongoing issues with them throughout their whole career. Especially one of the other big issues was when Women and Children first was released. Dave Lee Roth took a picture that was going to be a poster, and I think that I think in the first pressings it was in there. He, there's a poster of just Dave Lee Roth, yeah. and, and the Van Halen brothers did not like that because it made them feel like Dave Lee Roth felt he was bigger than the band. And at some point with the popularity of Dave Lee Roth Van Halen, there was a point where Dave Lee Roth was becoming more recognizable back then than than Eddie sure. Van Halen was because he was this larger-than-life figure, and he had this larger-than-life personality. I mean, look at all the interviews that you can find online of Dave Lee Roth. I mean, he just, he's just electric. He just, he sucks, you know, everything into him that all the energy comes from him whenever he's in the room. I I would agree with that, you know, but you also, you know, don't, don't forget like Eddie Van Halen, God, you know, like the two of them, you know, it's like Mick and Keith, uh, Joe Perry and Steven Tyler. Like, I mean, he couldn't have been Dave Lee Roth without Eddie, you know, and Eddie was a little, you know, he, he was a little quieter, but I mean, that guy was a monster. He revolutionized the heavy metal guitar train. Absolutely. Know? He was on Michael Jackson's Beat It. I mean, Absolutely. the guy completely sought after, you know, even, even before Jump came out, you know, he, he was kind of a god, you know, before um, 84, you know. And, and so Ross was just kind of stepping off that, you know. And, 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 I, and I could definitely see how, you know, that, that would rub those guys. And... Because you know, I, I was actually thinking about this, and I was kind of brushing up for you know this conversation. I, w- I was thinking about that that dynamic, you know, and, and we could talk about this in a minute. But I know that I know that uh, the Van Halen brothers have have issues with with, with alcohol, mm-hmm. and you know, people become rock stars and rock icons. You know, they need a lot of attention and they want to entertain. There's, there's usually some dysfunction in their childhood that sort of leads to that. And so you, you see, ultimately the they had problems with drink and, you know, and drugs and whatever. But, but, but my point was, um, you know, I could see how the egos that were, that, that made them as great as they were, that, 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 you know, fueled them to become who they were, um, could also kind of be kind of agitated and, you know, jealous of one another and, and angry. And, and, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there, there, there probably some of that petty, that pettiness could get nurtured with, the amount of attention and fame and and uh, success that they they get, you know, I, I can see how the how conflicts could just magnify, you know. Sure, and, uh, get sure. Out of hand. Well, there's so many things too. I mean, that, that's a that's a great topic for a show. You know, the psyche of a rock star. You know, when you when you're playing the clubs sure, and yeah. you're and you're and you're banging out tunes and you're trying to get a deal signed and you're trying to get noticed. You know, there there's that one for all, all for one type of type of mentality 
Um, right. You know, right. when you start adding in constant travel where you're, you don't really have a home and back yeah. in the day, bands in the late seventies or DCs, even, even the, the whole seventies and in the eighties, those, those bands would tour, like they would do 200, 250 dates a year. And that's a lot. And, you know, when you're going from place to place and there's a different woman in your bed every night and there's alcohol, yeah. there's drugs at your fingertips whenever you yep. want it. It's yeah. very hard to stay grounded. And when you have, yeah. you know, let's, let's face it. Whenever you're in a rock band, usually every member of the band has an ego. Every, every, I mean, especially the lead singer and you, and, and especially the lead guitar player. Those are probably sure. the two biggest egos in, in, in most bands. You're right. Yeah. Eddie Van Halen revolutionized guitar playing. You look at, that first album with, you know, with running with the devil and all those songs, everything changed after that. Everyone's playing changed. He, he basically started a whole new genre in shredding. You look at all the shredders that came after with, you know, with Eddie Van Halen, the Jason Beckers, the Satriani's, the Eric Johnson's, all those guys that, that all comes from Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. And then you have the, one of the ultimate front men, you know, the front men and David Lee Roth, who is just electrifying on stage. Does Dave Lee Roth have that, that larger than life personality without Eddie Van Halen? Probably not. We may never know Dave Lee Roth's name without Eddie Van Halen. So those are right. excellent points that you make, you know, one kind of like they, they both kind of fed off of each other. And I think the alcohol abuse, especially Eddie and Alex at the time too, especially the early days of Van Halen, that does affect your judgment. That does affect your reality. And you, you, you put all those other things in of being a rock star. It's very easy for someone with a big ego and who's constantly drunk or constantly high to get agitated with something they don't like and, and, and to, to overreact to certain things too. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the thing is, is I, I, I'm certain that the two brothers, you know, Eddie and Alex, I'm sure they, they I, I'm sure they fought as brothers do. And then I'm sure they were loyal to each other as brothers are, you know, so there was that dynamic and, you, you know, and, and ultimately I would, I think what it comes down to is, is Eddie, Eddie had the goods. Like it was all on Eddie. I mean, there, there, there was no Van Halen without Eddie Van Halen. Like mm-hmm. he, I mean, that guy brought, you know, he, he brought the foundation for all of that stuff. And then he wrote, he had a, you know, incredible ear. He wrote really good songs, pop songs that were heavy. And, you know, that music is really, it's really masculine. It's, it's got balls to it. You know, it's got, there, there is a little bit, bit of danger to it. Yeah. yeah you know, and, 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 and Roth is perfect. He's sort of Tarzan out there. And I think, I think when, you know, carrying over to, to Hagar, Hagar, I think it was more just like, okay, that's just assumed, you know, we, we've got that under our belt. Hagar brought a little bit of a, a little bit of a cerebral, more of a mature sound for something a little, a little bit further. He's reaching yeah. a little bit further out and you know, take I, to me. I, I agree with you, man. There, there, there's so much there. And from one carrying over to the other, um, I, I mean, it's just, it's, it, there, there's, there, there's so much there. <laughs> there's just, so, there's, there's so much there. Well, and, uh, I, I find it all like really just, uh, yeah, like I can, I can deep dive into a lot of the stuff. You know? Well, the other thing too is that you know Sammy had a pretty solid solo career. Pr- 
prior to being in Van Halen. I mean, standing Hampton yeah. is yeah. a great record. Yeah. You know, th- uh, three lock box is a great record. VOA is a great record. You know, I mean, yeah. he, so he had, you know, he was recognizable. People knew who he was. I don't think he was as big as Van Halen with, with 1984. I don't think many people were at that time, but I did right. think it helped, right. you know, fans adjust quicker to a new singer because it was a name like Sammy Hagar. And obviously, you know, he also had the Montrose on his resume as well. And there's an interesting note in, or an interesting part in a book called Van Halen Rising, uh, written by Greg Renoff, which discusses the Van Halen, the early Van Halen up until their first record deal and how they were this party band in, in Southern California and they would play to thousands of kids and helicopter police helicopters would break up these parties. And it's just, if you ever get a chance, who's ever listening or, or, or Justin, you, this would be a great book for yeah. you to read. It's so interesting. But when Ted Templeman was producing the first album of Van Halen, he did consider replacing Dave Lee Roth during those sessions with Sammy Hagar. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think I read a little blurb from that book online because you had mentioned it, and I hadn't, I haven't read it yet, and I and I want to read it. It's actually on my list, but I, I read something about that, um, which is kind of kind of crazy, right? And, right. And isn't there a recording somewhere too? I, I mean, I belong to some Facebook Van Halen groups. There was a recording of Van Halen with Roth doing a, a Macho song. Yeah, I, I think there is a, a recording of either Rock Candy or Bad Motor Scooter. And you can find that, I think, on YouTube. I think there, it's either a demo or it's one of their early live shows that you can hear that. I do think that does exist. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but that's, yeah. Pretty, yeah, that, that's pretty amazing when you think about how you know Ted Templeman was, was pondering replacing Roth with Hagar. And the only reason why he really didn't do it because he saw the work ethic that Roth had and the commitment that he was making to himself to try to be a better vocalist for the band. I, no, there's, there's no question that Roth was really bringing his A game back then. He, he wasn't phoning in, in anything. Cause I've heard, I've, I've read interviews with Eddie over the years. And, and I remember, I think it was specifically when he was getting, going into Van Halen three with Gary Sharon, which I don't, necessarily want to discuss but <laughs> I uh you know he he he, he dogged Roth a lot over the years and he was saying you know they had to you know I think they had to tune down a little bit and and uh, you know just his vocal range wasn't what Sammy's was and, and but I listened to the albums you know the guy's not singing like opera but the, the guy sounds pretty damn good you know like like sure. as a man you know wanting to hear some some guy that I kind of want to be the avatar for me up there. I mean, the guy, I, I, his voice is great, man. Some of those screams on running with the devil and, um, better off dead movie, you know, oh, everybody wants, some. yeah, everybody he wants some these yeah. noises. And it's like, it's great, man. He, he was great. You yeah. know, and, well, his- and I, I, I know his voice has fallen off over the years. Um, understandably. And, you know, if he, maybe, maybe that's kind of where he wasn't great to begin with. And he, he became, you know, decent and then kind of fell off. And I, I thought he was fine. You know, like, I mean, I, and, I, and, 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 and it wasn't like, Oh, he was kind of a dud and his live presence made up for it. I thought his, his vocals were right there, you know? Um, and, and again, maybe a musician, a guitar player is going to dog on him a little bit. You know, I'm up and down the fretboard and he can only, he, here, here's his range, but it worked, man. I mean, it, 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 
they became rock gods with David Lee Roth and that band. You know? Well, his voice was able to capture an attitude, a swagger. I mean, that's really where, you know, you you combine the tone of his voice and his delivery with the way Eddie plays and Eddie's delivery. It's 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 a total testosterone swagger. You know, it's it's the young teenage boy back in the late 70s, early 80s, walking around with a Van Halen shirt. I mean, it was like a badge of honor when you wore a shirt like that. Sure. And they they, they were such they, they were the first huge rock band of our generation. You know, I mean, they were, I mean, you can talk about the journeys and you can talk about the foreigners that were around at that time, but Van Halen supersedes all of them and it was just an incredible live act. They, I mean, when you think back of 83, 84 and how big they were and, you know, headlining the U.S. festival and just being who they were. You know, the one thing you mentioned about about Eddie dogging David Lee Roth, I mean, that seems to be a pretty common thing with Eddie. You know, dogging David Lee Roth, he dogs Michael Anthony, he dogs Sammy Hagar. The only one that's really pushed back has been Sammy. I never hear Roth ever say anything negative about Eddie. Maybe, you know, a couple of times over the span of 30 years, he's maybe hinted at something. Um, Michael Anthony seems to stay out of it. He seems to not even want to touch it, but Sammy's really the one that says, you know, really pushes back on Eddie with what they try to do with Michael Anthony, basically erase him from all the pictures on the, on the backs of albums when they were doing these remasters or reissues or whatever. Um, I remember Eddie and Alex talking about quote unquote, the poor work ethic that Sammy had. And you look at Sammy, sure, who's yeah. who's still playing, who's seventy years old, who still sounds just as good, and has a body of work that would make you believe that he doesn't have a work ethic problem. I just think a lot of the issues stem from Eddie and Alex, and of course, you know, when you have an ego like Dave Lee Roth, that's that's probably not a good mix. I'm sure Sammy has a big ego too, but very few interviews where Eddie talks about previous members in the band. I mean, he never really says anything positive. It's it's really, he never says, well, you know, Sammy had this great range and blah, blah, blah. And I'm talking about after they've left the band. He doesn't really have anything good to say about anybody. And I think that is is kind of disappointing that he's taken that route as one of the most influential musicians of all time. I mean, Jay, you gotta, you know, the guy's basically a, a god walking on earth with, with, with a guitar in terms of, of, of a guitar player and, and, and what he's done for the genre of music and, you know, inspired people and, and the music he's created, you know? And so, and, and I, and I also know I'm going to go back to the alcoholism because I, I know a little bit about that. You, you know, it's, it's it seems to me as I think back about this, you know, even like when they brought in Sharon and he, he dissed both singers, you know, and he dissed Michael Anthony, you know, and, there's, there's got to be some ego stuff, some wound in Eddie that, hey, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. This is all my shit. You know, without me, you're nothing. And I want I want, I want everyone to know that. And, you know, it, it seems like even like their move to Sharon after they tried to bring Roth back the second time or, or for the greatest hits in 95 or 96 or whatever it was, was like, hey, you think you don't, you know, like, like I don't need you. I'll just go and do it with this guy. I'll replace both of you. I'll replace Roth and Hagar with this guy. You know, and 
unfortunately, there, there's a little piece of Eddie that's kind of like, no, nah, I kind of need, <laughs> you know, I kind of need something that these guys brought, you know, um, which, which he did, you know, it, 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 it's like a marriage. Both of those singers tied in, uh, both of the blonde singers tied in to Eddie. And really, I think they really brought out the best in each other. You know, I, I really do. I just, I think, you know, I didn't really hear, you know, I've only listened to that Van Halen three act record. Uh, I think I listened to it once and maybe sampled a few songs here and there. I can't listen to it. I just can't. You know, and, and, and you know, it was said once that Eddie Van Halen didn't make it out of the eighties alive. A buddy of mine commented that. And I think the guys got so much success, you know, success probably covers up whatever personal issues one might have for a while when they come out and, you get really rich. You get really complacent. There's nothing to prove. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would like to. I would love it to see Eddie and Alex maybe get in touch with a little bit more of, of gratitude. Like, yeah, really, we're really lucky to get David in the band, and we're really lucky to follow up with Sammy Agar. What a blessed career, you know. Like, I'm so fortunate to have these guys. Sammy will say something like that about Eddie, and 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 Ross will give them credit too because I've read I've read their books. The crazy from the heat and the red rocker book. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, Eddie, Eddie seems to have some defects that I think cut him, have cut him off from you know anything really past, um, say past the live right here right now album. Because beyond that, I just well, I thought know, there's a Twister soundtrack, the Twister soundtrack song with with uh, Hagar and the. Uh, the, the Roth song, you know, Me Wise Magic, which I think are incredible songs. Like, yeah, Humans yeah. Beans off of so oh, the, the the guitar playing on that song is just incredible. Uh, and, and that's, that's really, phenomenal. Yeah, and it's kind of a forgotten song from the Hagar era. That's a that's an amazing yeah. tune. Uh, I, I think with the way the band, the dynamics in the band, when you look at them starting out, and you look at them yeah. being embraced by Ted Templeman. And Ted yeah. was really able to drive the ship in the studio. I mean, he was able to get their sound, get their magic on, on tape, on the record. You know, like he was able to do that. The magic didn't lose anything. In fact, I think the magic was even greater because of the way they were recorded. And then you come in and, and you see Sammy Hagar, who's a veteran, who's, you know, who's, who, you know, this isn't his first gig. It's not his first rodeo. And he's able to enhance that. And, and allow them to go and evolve in a different direction. And I think when Gary Sharon came in, he had a huge success with Extreme. Extreme's one of my favorite bands from that era. But I think it didn't work because Eddie really isolated himself at that time. And Eddie was in really bad shape in terms of alcohol yeah. and drugs. I mean, if you look at yeah. some of the old footage during that tour and you know the video, I forget the name of the song from that album that they had a video... Um, he was not doing well, and I think yeah. they. Yeah. I, I think he attempted to, or I think maybe he even did produce that record. I don't think he had a lot of outside help. I could be wrong. I I I, I fail to remember if someone produced Van Halen three, but nevertheless, there wasn't that personality with them to get that train back on the track if it fell off or tell them in the studio, no, this needs to change. This needs to be better. You can't do that. It needs to sound like this. You know, that guy that does that. Um, and I don't think there was that Sammy Hagar presence in the room. I don't think there was that Ted Templeman presence in the room. And I think 
that's the biggest reason, coupled with Eddie's condition at the time, why Van Halen just fell flat. I think it was just, I mean, I know people out in L.A. who remember him during that album and remember him going to, you know, showing up at the Whiskey to see shows or at the Troubadour. And one of my friends talks about hugging him backstage and he felt like he was hugging a skeleton. I mean, he was just basically skin and bones because he, you know, he, and I, I think he had the, he was dealing with the cancer at the time on his tongue and, you know, he had, yeah. he, he had, he had oral cancer, the alcohol. I mean, he was a mess. Um, I'm, I'm glad that he's cleaned himself up. I mean, you look at him now, he's got, you know, a new wife. He seems to be, he looks better. He looks in good health. I, again, I'm only speculating. I don't know for sure, but he looks completely different than he did at that era. What do you do, man? I mean, you, you have this body of work. You make, you make such a statement with, with David Lee Roth. And that, then that transitions pretty seamless, seamlessly to, you know, Sandy Hagar, the Van Hagar record, the Van Hagar era. And, and, um, and that's a pretty, pretty big statement, you know? And then, and that was sort of couched in an 80s. You know, by the time they finished with the forum, lawful carnal knowledge with, you know, that was huge too. You know, they had, uh, right now, that, that was a huge video, the pound cake, like, well, right uh, now, I think uh, is there. I mean, outside of jump, here we go, round, round, round. Yeah, that, yeah. That video too, like those are huge MTV videos. Yeah, you know. I think right here, right now, was their biggest hit besides jump. I mean, it's oh, oh my gosh, like yeah. and that and that, and there, were, there was again, there was a spiritual quality. Like there's the you know, like the tornado wrecked house with you know the Virgin Mary statue in the lawn or something like that, and you know. On the cover of that live album, that Van Halen live right here, right now, there's something that Hagar was bringing—a flavor, uh, 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 an accent. There, there was—I'm not, I'm not religious, but I am. To me, Hagar was reaching upwards. He's reaching out there. He's reaching out out into the cosmos. He's trying to grab something, and you know, and Hagar's not like you know, he's not incredibly profound or anything, but you know, he's a rock and roller, and, and I think he was doing that to to make such big statements with both those guys. And then you have the whole thing just sort of crumble. And I'm like, well, I'm going to bring the guy from extreme in and it's going to be better than ever. Like, dude, I mean, like how, how can it be? I mean, you know, and an extreme was already pretty, pretty big for my take that, you know, they were that more than words. I mean, it was a little, it was a little softer than what Van Halen, it was just a little bit lighter for me. You know, you got these, this wild man, this other pretty, Sort of, you know, there's a gruffness to them, and and extreme might be a little nicer to me. It was like Eddie Van Halen with extreme, you know, and extreme had a rock a guitar player of, of, of great magnitude. Yeah, Nuno you know, Betten, like, Nuno I, I I think the problem with extreme with more than words is they broke with the wrong song. They broke with more than words. More than words became this giant hit for them. And nothing on any of their albums sounded anything close to that. So, you know, soccer moms and these old women are going to record stores. Oh, I want to buy the album with the more than word song on there. And then they put that on and they hear get the funk out or he man, woman hater and uh, decadent dance and little Jack horny and all these songs, you know, again, they broke with the wrong song. I mean, everybody kind of labeled them as this softer rock band 
you look at their body of work, and I think they they, they push the envelope on their next album after after Pornography, but they were they were a, a funky rock band. They're heavily influenced by Queen. And I think that was kind of the inspiration with more than words and some of the other stuff they did. They kind of wanted to be that new uh, newly influenced queen type band. If you can, if you kind of listen to their material and they had a lot of Aerosmith influence in them. And I thought when, when I heard, yeah, yeah you know, when, when I read that Gary Sharon was going to replace Amy Hagar, I was like, wow, this is going to sound really cool. I think. Well, and, and Eddie, Eddie definitely talked it up too. You know, mm-hmm. Eddie was talking it up like, you know, he's going to have stage presence of Roth and the, the vocal range of Hagar, you know, basically saying he's going to be able to do the, all of the back catalog and maybe on paper it, w- it wasn't a bad idea. And I watched some of the live stuff, but to me, it just, it just fell short of what they had already done. Like it, it, you know, Van Halen had kind of broken apart and Eddie was kind of, you know, picking up the pieces a, l- a little bit, you know, and I mean, he sang the songs. I mean, he, 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 he sang them, but I just, I, like, where, where do you go? Like, and, 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 and kind of what I was saying about you make a statement with both singers, you know, the, you know, the industry was also changing around that time, you know, around right. the time that they were about the time that they were wrapping up with uh, that live album right here, right, right now, you know, you know the, the grunge movement was coming in. Van Halen, it's sort of, you know, all, all those bands that were sort of forerunners of all that stuff, you know, they were, they were counting their money, you know, they were, you know, they were on a downtime from a couple year tour, you know, like they were, you know, it, it was, they were taking a breather a little bit and, and some, you know, a new genre was being marketed and sold. And, and uh, like on that Balance album, like I, I read the interview in, in Rolling Stone, you know, and Hagar was talking about it. And again, he was talking about the Pope having to drive around in a, uh, a bulletproof like golf cart and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I still look up to those guys. But, you know, when I saw the artwork, like the inner artwork, and, and it seemed like I heard their management was trying to give them a more mature look and some of the photos they were taking, like, that, that like when the, by the time they got to balance, like to me it was just tired. Like like they had already done what they did on a, that album before. You know, like like there was there was like a hit pop single. You know, and like like it, like it, it, it's okay, but they had already done it before, and it was sort of a retread. And to me, I think that was the time where it should have gotten weirder. You know, where Eddie Eddie could have gone and done some more, you know, epic, you know, instrumental, you know proggy pop you know I, I don't know just some, something a little bit he could have really grown and i think complacency and you know his, his demons and alcoholism sort of you know and, and probably there was probably some you know i know when i have a finger point at somebody else i got three more pointing back at me he's talking about hagar being lazy you know probably a mirror for him to some degree you know well he's a lazy one and you know i mean I didn't think that effort was all that. And I've tried to listen to it here and there and uh, the balance. So I can see how it sort of folded up after that, you know? Yeah. I always like the, I always like the balance album. I mean, if I compare for unlawful carnal knowledge to balance, I've always been more of a balance guy. I mean, you, I like, don't tell me what love can do. Uh, there's also, again, you know, the, the not enough, which is the, the, the power ballad on the, on the album. I thought, What's the uh, what was the big hit uh, on the album? Can't stop falling or um, can't stop loving you. I thought that was a retread of Top of the World. Uh, that was off of Foreign Lawful Carnal Knowledge. So I mean, if you look at if you listen to those two songs, they pretty much sound exactly the same. But I I mean, I saw I saw Van Halen on that Balance tour. I think Skid Row opened up for him. I saw him in Alpine Valley. 
And I thought they were, I thought they sounded great. I thought they were really on top of what they were doing. And I don't know what happened after that. And I just think Eddie's alcohol abuse came more to the forefront. And, you know, the longer you drink and the longer you try to maintain that, the harder it is. And I think he started to have some health problems. I think he started to become more belligerent because he couldn't control himself. And then you factor that in with, you know, going into the Van Halen 3 album. By the way, Gary Sharon was the second choice in replacing Sammy Hagar. There's a singer by the name of Mitch Malloy who was slated to okay. be the replacement for Sammy Hagar. And he has an incredible voice. He's never had a ton of popularity in the States. I think he's had some, you know, minimal popularity like in South America and overseas. And I actually think he's the new singer for Great White now. But he was like this up and coming vocalist back in the day, back in the in the early nineties. They had picked him. In fact, he actually thought he had the gig. And then a week later they announced they went with Gary Sarone. But my son was talking to me in the car. We were driving somewhere and he's like, Dad, they should make a movie about Van Halen. And I was like, that that would be like a four hour movie because there's so much to cover <laughs> in in that in that subject because uh, yeah, there's just you, you you couple that in, too, with Daily Roth's first solo album that you mentioned before, Eat Him and Smile, which is just a killer record. It's it's an awesome record. And then there was a fall-off with Skyscraper. But the band he had for that first album with Steve Vai and Billy Sheen and Greg Bissonetti um, was just top-notch. It was just awesome. Man, you know, it's, it's, it's just there's they're, they're, they're so much with mm-hmm. these guys. You know, and, and we had talked about Kiss before, and, you know, and, and Kiss, there's so many chapters of, 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 of that story. You know, in Van Halen, you know, I, I, I find myself getting disappointed. Well, well, you know, Eddie hasn't done anything interesting in, you know, 20 some odd years or whatever. And it's like, well, but look, but look what he did. I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, all those first Roth albums. You know, I, and I, I I couldn't complain anything about it. You know, maybe Van Halen two is a little sh- too short or something like that, or, or um, um, you know, we get into Van Hagar. You know, those, those first two albums blow me away. You know, um, you know, we were talking about Oh You Wait One Two. I, I have to mention that that organ. I think it's like a Hammond organ or some synthesizer. Uh, I feel so good. Yes. Right? you put on your headphones, it just goes through your your head from one ear to the other, back and forth. It's, it's just like this roller skating rink song. It's just, I, I recommend listening to OU812 on, on your headphones. You know, at least that's, that's, that's what, that's what brought me, brought me in and connected with my soul, uh, with those guys. But, um, it's, it, it's just so epic. And I find myself like, Oh, what's Eddie Van Halen doing recently? And why won't he put out an, any new work? And, yeah, that is a little disappointing because, you know, one, I don't want to see the guy just sort of you know, just rest on his laurels of like past glory. You know, I'd like to see him do something interesting again. Um, I, I'd like him to see him do something with both singers. I think that would be really cool. And I don't understand why it has to be either or. And I know Roth kind of has, I think Hagar would probably be open to it, but there's so much, been so much shit talking about Hagar and Michael Anthony and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, I, you know, one of the things you gotta also gotta take into consideration too is that when musicians slag each other in the public, it's a lot of a lot of the times to keep their to keep them, you know, noticed in the press. The press likes to print negative stories. You know, uh, titillating drama. You know, gets people. It's clickbait. It, it keeps you. You know, did you hear what Michael Anthony or did you hear what Eddie just said about Michael Anthony? You know, Michael Anthony was this. You know, Sammy said this, and it's just like, 
you know, Ross said the Halen brothers don't like him, you know, and it's, it keeps them, you know, in the discussion and, and that's fine. I, I do have to say though, man, I saw, I saw Ross by himself. I actually was able to sneak backstage. I actually met David Lee Roth. My, my friend who died took a daring leap to run backstage and I, I, I followed him back there. My friend got, got caught and I, I found myself backstage meeting David Lee Roth and he was very quiet, but that was at a bad company show. He was opening for bad company. He was amazing. This was probably 98 or 99. He sounded great and put on a heck of a performance. And I've seen Roth with Halen. He does something live that Hagar doesn't. Yeah, Hagar's got a great voice. You know, he, he hits that high note at the end of 5150. I mean, he's great, but he's not as exciting. The energy's not there. Um, and I, I've seen him play with Van Halen twice, and I've seen him as a solo artist. Rock brings a show. You know, he, 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 he's out there. He's bringing it all, mind, body, and spirit, and whatever voice he's got up there, you know. I saw Van Halen with Skid Row, and then I've seen, I saw them on the 2008 reunion tour. And that was a great show too. I think you're yeah. right. I think I think there's yeah. a totally different excitement with David Lee Roth just because of his stage presence. And I think I think Sammy brings yeah. it too, but it's just a different vibe. I do agree with you that it's a little disappointing that Eddie and Van Halen, in some way or another, has not done anything except one full length album and a and a few songs off a compilation in the last 25 years almost. You know that's disappointing. When you consider that Eddie is one of the most influential guitar players of all time, the most influential guitar player over the last 40 years, for him to do pretty much nothing over the last 20-plus years is is disappointing as a Van Halen fan. I know he does a lot with his gear. I know he does a lot of development with the the Van Halen guitars and amps and and pedals and things like that. I, I know he's really into that. But I think it's time to for Eddie to to put out something new and not just you know re refurbished or reshaped licks or or right. or riffs or whatever that he's got in his vault. Actually, sit down and write something new. And, and I think Michael Anthony touched on this one time in an interview. Eddie does not listen to anything new. Like he doesn't listen to any new material. I think that's I think that's what hinders him from evolving. I think he did a lot of, you know, evolving in the eighties, you know, going from the running with the devil to the, to the jump to 5150 to OU812 to balance. I think there's a lot of evolution of the player of the musician throughout that whole body of work. You know, I, I mentioned before Van Halen was headed in the direction of keyboards the, all the signs were there. The 1984, which was their biggest record with Roth. There were a couple tracks and Diver Down with keyboard. So it was coming. And it caused a, there were a lot of things that caused the friction between them and Roth. But that was a major, major sticking point with Roth. Roth did not want to do keyboards. He did not want yeah. that to be the, you know, the major instrument playing on a Van Halen song. I mean, then you look at Eat Him and Smile, and you see the the band that he assembled and the songs that are on there, like Yankee Rose going crazy tobacco road, shy boy. The album is just, it's, it's, it's basically a Van Halen record, but with just different people, you know, it's, it's that type of of vibe going on. So, and then you look at what 5150 was and then the back and forth between the eat him and smile 
and then Van Halen responding with OU812, which was kind of a, a playback with each other through album titles, which was kind of interesting and fun. And then they did the Monsters of Rock tour, which was the OU812 tour. They did that with Scorpions, Dokken, Metallica, Kingdom Come, which was this big touring festival uh, back in 88, 89, you know, big moment for them. But it, it is, I do wish Van Halen would do more. Um, I, I, I wish he would put out, you know, more music. When you look at people, you know, people like Keith Richards, who's still playing in the Stones, or you look at people like Eric Clapton, who's still doing shows, and, and they're all over 70. You know, there's no reason why, yeah. why, he, why he shouldn't put out more material or, or new material or, or whatever. I mean, he's kind of become a, a recluse as he's gotten older. And, and maybe there's a reason for that. We don't know, but I wish, I wish that would change. I, I, I do too, you know, and, 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 and I see them, I see them live now, you know, when he's up there with a pair of like clunky white sneakers, you know, and a pair of jeans and like, you know, you know, a shirt that looks like it's from target or something. Yeah, you know, right. Like a t-shirt <laughs> or, you know, it, it's like, it's like, where's the stage wear, man? You know, where's the look? It, it just seems like... Where's the overalls? Know, 60 years old, doesn't it? It's like, come on, man. Like, be, be you know, the stripes on his guitar. You know, the, 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 there was something in that spirit of what yeah. that was, you know? And, like, yeah, the, the color coordination. You know, it's like, you know, Roth picks, you know, picks out. He, he chooses his clothes pretty, you know, with some intention. And um, I, 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 don't, I don't know what it is with Eddie. Um and maybe he's just so accomplished where he doesn't care anymore, or maybe whatever was driving him when he was younger that, you know, I, I think, you know, as I was saying, what was driving him to produce, to prove, um, which, which ultimately was a double-edged sword, which, which led towards, led to the alcoholism. And maybe, you know, you know, maybe this wound that, that drove him, maybe, maybe some of that's been cleaned up and he doesn't just, it's not driving him anymore or, or, you know, it could be the whole like Samson and Delilah thing. You know, the guy cut his hair too. He doesn't. He doesn't have the hair that he once had. Maybe the hair had something to do with it. You know, I don't. I, I don't know. But it's like I, I have a film project. I'm not talking about me, but I've worked and worked on it for 20 years, and and I, I've, I've just I've had that luxury to just just put everything. Yeah, I want it to be as best as I possibly can. And these guys, my heroes. You know, any of the bands that we've talked about. When they put out an album, I, I would just like for them, and I know they can do it a lot quicker, you know, than, than a 20-year film project, but they can do it in a way that's like, I did the best that I can. You know what, that that, that one, those two couple lyrics right there, they're not so great. Let's go fix them. You know, that's one song, I don't like the ending. Let's go fix that. Like, let some of that drive missing. You know, it, it may, I don't know if it just comes with the complacency of success or, but I, I mean... You know, you had mentioned that the, the song um, uh, was the Human Beings Off the Twister soundtrack last time we spoke. And I went and listened to it. And I was like, you know, damn, man, this is... This is That's you know, the goods, man. That's the goods right there. This is, this is great, man. Yeah. And, and and you had also said, you know, that Eddie doesn't listen to it in contemporary, which, you know what, man, I I, I think that's a double, you know, I, I think there's two sides of the coin to that. I, I don't know what new... Yeah, you know, there's really no FM rock. Well, radio. He, there's no MTV anymore. You he's know? even said he's even um, said the last album he listened to. He's even said this in interviews. The last album he listened to was Peter Gabriel. So, 
Well, you know what I, I would say to that, you know, even like bands like Sabbath or Maiden or Metallica, you don't have to, you know, go and, 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 and you know, whoever the new crop of popular guys are coming up, you don't have to go and do them. Go back to the roots. Go back to your heroes. Go back to Cream. Go back to Black Sabbath. Go back to, you know, whoever it was that was turning you on back then. And, you know, and, 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 and get in touch with what whatever that is that, you know, that you were tapping into originally and then bring that forth again. You know, like, I, I, I know it can be done. Just for some reason, it feels like the well is dried up for, for some people. And, yeah. and um, you know, that, that's sad. But then again, I come back to, you know, we're talking about Van Halen. Like, he's got, you know, a body of work from Dave Lee Roth and a body of work from Sammy Hagar. I, I say more than not, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's stuff that's brought a lot of joy to, you know, and, and has been the soundtrack of my life in a lot of, you know, a lot of important times, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, you know, I, I agree with that. that I'm, I'm truly, I'm truly grateful, you know, totally. Um, Whenever I think of my childhood growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, Van Halen was a big part of our childhood of my childhood, you know? And yeah. Uh, yeah, it just was. They were everywhere. I mean, it was a lot of it had to do with the Fast Times Ridgemont High movie. Uh, you know, a lot of it just had to do with just their image and just their larger than life you know, persona. But it was all there. I mean, they were the first band that really sounded like that. And, you know, people yeah. forget, too, yeah. you know, the major rock bands of the 70s were kind of gone at that time. You know, Led Zeppelin you know, was, was on the downside, you know, they had in through the outdoor presence wasn't a very strong record. Of course, John Bonham died, you know, black Sabbath was kind of coming towards the end with Ozzy and, you know, Ronnie James Dio gave them a rebirth for a couple of albums, but a lot of those bands were, were not, were not making the big records anymore in the late seventies. Yeah. Well, maybe they may have been big in terms of record sales, but in terms of like in their catalogs, you know, like, are those albums considered some of their best? No, you could probably say nine out of 10 of them. They weren't arena rock, really popular rock really didn't have a face or a new face. I should say when Van Halen came, I mean, there really wasn't a new band, maybe UFO, which was semi new and they were like mid seventies and kiss kisses. Popularity was taking a big hit in the late seventies. So the time was ripe for Van Halen and they came and it was just, it was like a bomb going off. They really captured an attitude. They captured the angst of the youth back then in the late seventies and eighties. And as those kids got older and started to grow up, they made that transition to Sammy. And I think that had a lot to do with their audience was growing and getting more mature too, as well. And it was kind of the perfect time for them to do it. I mean, they're, they're definitely a product of their times and they, they definitely, um, uh, you know, tapped into the zeitgeist. Uh, of what was going on. And then they definitely, you know, expanded upon that and, and um, created something classic, yeah. you know? And I mean, and then, and just look at the guy's name, you know, Van Halen, you know, it's, it's, it's like Mozart, you know, uh, it's, it's like, uh, we'll think of his son's name, Wolfgang, you know, you know? It's Wolfgang, you know, <laughs> I'm a deus, you know, it's just, yeah. Van Halen, you know, it's like you know, very strong, very, you know, and I, and I gotta say this, man. So, I, uh, um, a, a buddy of mine who, who uh, my buddy Neil, uh, loves Van Halen. And we kind of grew up, um, you know, he prefers Roth. And anyway, he's got a son 
My son was probably maybe 17 a couple years back. We took him to see David Lee Roth with Van Halen, uh, the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, the old uh, World Music Theater. We sat in the lawn. You know, there was probably 10 of us there, kind of my friends. And Roth sang all those songs. And I, and I was kind of like, okay, you know, you can't hold, hit all the notes. And sometimes it doesn't sound so great. Man, we were on that lawn. And it was just an epic sing-along. You know, he didn't have to, because whatever he was missing, we were singing. And it was, it was so good. Like, it was so, it was, it was one of the best concert experiences I've been, I, I've had in a long time with, with my, my best friends who love this music. Uh, we're bringing my friend's son. And I know, I know you have a teenage son, so I'm sure you can relate to bringing your son to a special show. And his son had, had, had was growing up, growing up, hearing all the stuff. And it was, it was just, it was so sweet. And I know those guys, have something in them, you know. It could be, it could be a little rougher, you know. It could be a little patchier, you know, with Ross' vocal range. But, but that's where your creativity comes in, you know. That's that's how you, and and I, and I would like to see them channel that, channel what they've done, working with what they've got, and not just re-record old songs that they they did with that different kind of truth, you know. I'd like to see them do something. I, I even like, I, I wouldn't even mind a mixed thing when you're doing something mixed with Hagar and Ross, but. You know, I don't think Ross would go for that, and maybe that's that's less money to split. One of the who knows. One of the interesting things about Eddie Van Halen's legacy, and this is not really well known uh, for those of you who have read Steve Lukather's book, The Guitar Player from Toto. Steve Lukather and Eddie Van Halen are very close friends. They've been friends for decades. Well, Steve Lukather, in between Toto albums, would do a lot of studio work, do a lot of session work. So he would go from studio to studio and play his bits on each song. Well, there were times where Eddie would come along with him. And Steve Lukather claims in his book that there are songs by artists that you could not even imagine where Eddie Van Halen is playing the guitar on the song. But he, he oh, but, really? but he refused wow. he refused to get any credit for it. He didn't want his name anywhere near it because it didn't he didn't want to affect the success of Van Halen. If you have a chance to read that book, it's, okay. that's another good book you should read too. I know, you know, Toto's not uh, really what? my thing, or you know, maybe not yours, but it's it's by Steve Lukather. I forget the name of the book, but it's an excellent read. It's really good. And, you know, they got they got Weezer recovering them right now. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, big, that big hit, you know, the Africa song was a good song. You know, they're, right? Another another pop band from the eighties. You know, it's it's. Just, you know, I'd, I'd like to say that I think Eddie Van Halen's got. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm cutting. No, go ahead. Off here. I was, um, you know, Eddie Van Halen, maybe he doesn't have anything left to prove. You know, I mean, maybe that's it. Um, the one thing I like about David Lee Roth is he's an entertainer and he, he wants to put on a show. And, um, you know, I, I have definitely felt, you know, since he's come back, this most recent, you know, this recent stint of the last 10 years or whatever. 10 plus years that he's been kind of, he's held back a little bit, you know, like, you know, back in the eighties with like Panama and, you know, directing some of those old videos, like, like he was definitely leading some of the creative charge, you know, with like their, their backdrop with that, um, the dude with the mallet, you know, is the backdrop of 1984. It's like a pest, you know, a, a Terminator company, uh, exterminator company, Terminator, exterminator company. <laughs> um, you know, he, 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 he had really good taste, you know, and I, I think, he, I, think he, I think he still could, um, with those guys, but I feel like 
he's kind of on a leash a little, little bit. And I think he plays that too. Cause he's like, yeah, you know, I don't want to lose the gig again, you know? Um, well, he also, he also so has, his, you know, he's also been able to reinvent himself too with his podcast and, um, the Roth show and, and, you know, he's been formulated a whole new side of him that has been not been seen. I mean, if you ever have a chance to check out his podcast, it's, in, it's really interesting. That's definitely on my list. You know, I heard him on, on Joe Rogan and, um, you know, he's, he's selling his, uh, his, uh, his sunscreen or lotion for tattoos or whatever. You know, God bless him. He's really interesting. You know, yeah. He's, I, I he's an guy. interesting guy. You know? He's, he's, he's a guy that you'll sit down and listen to and, and, you know, he, he's very knowledgeable about a lot of things. He's very intelligent, which back in the 80s when we were listening to him, you never would have thought that there was this genius mind behind, you know, the, the words and the image that he was portraying. And also, too, to, to some extent, Sammy's been able to reinvent himself. You know, he's become the hard rock version of Jimmy Buffett. You know, he has these beach yeah. parties yeah. and he has these, you know, the circle now and he had chicken foot and um, the 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 Wabaritos, I think it was, which is banned, you know, based on the whole tequila thing. So he's been, you know, yeah. reinventing himself too. And he don't, well, he doesn't need the money either. I mean, he's made a huge chunk right. of change off the tequila business, and and Michael Anthony's made a huge amount of money off the hot sauce business. So they're not hurting. That that's your answer right there, man. They, you know, they probably won't do it unless they want to do it, and, and they've got to find some other motivation than than money. And, you know, in the early days, they had something to prove, you know, through the first incarnation, you know, they had to come up and prove and sort of take the crown. And then when they replaced Roth with Hagar, they definitely had something to prove. And and that's what I think was so interesting for Sammy, because I think he saw the opportunity there. You know, he saw the work, the opportunity to work with a great guitar player, a great, a great band, a great artist, and, and, and bring something to it, which, which definitely did. Like, he did. He definitely brought something. It's, it's, there's, you know, they had something to say, and, and, and they said it. You know, right? And um, yeah, I don't know. You know, the the, the the perpetual teenager in me wants to go on and on and on forever. Sometimes it just is what it is. Yeah, and, uh, uh, I think we we were having a discussion about ACDC on a, on a previous uh, podcast, and we were talking about you know the future of rock and these bands the that can fill stadiums and you know, large stadiums like football stadiums or baseball stadiums and sure. how they're sure. they're The time is running out. The clock is ticking. You know, how many more tours does Maiden have? Maybe two more, maybe one after yeah. this legacy tour. Uh, you know, Ozzy yeah. just had to cancel all, all of his 2019 dates. Metallica maybe has another tour in them or another album in them after this one. ACDC will probably tour and that'll be it. Van Halen has never been able to really get it together and capitalize on their, their mystique and their popularity. It's disappointing for fans, but I think we're at the point now with the age of all those members pushing 70 that we may not ever see Eddie on stage again. I think we have to start really realizing that reality that and accepting it, that he may just be done. You know, he may just not want to do it anymore. My, my gut tells me we'll probably see him again. I mean, I mean, I just saw the Rolling Stones play, you know, and you know the Rolling Stones have a few years on those guys, so if they're still up there, they're doing it. Um, I mean, I think these guys have a few more years, but you never know. You never know, you know. Um, 
you know, I, 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 I don't, I wouldn't want to see them like, you know, where they hate each other, you know, like, like I, uh, I'd want to see them to have some sort of at least mutual tolerance for each other, you know, like where it's just, you know, I, I read that the horror stories, you know, uh, Sammy Hagar was talking about that 2004 reunion tour. Um, and I, I didn't see that, you know, I, 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 you know, like I've seen, was that the one where he, I was, I, I was was that the one where he didn't even know if Eddie was going to make it to the stage on some nights? It, it might've been, there was a little excerpt in like Rolling Stone, I think where they wrote, a, they, 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 they previewed some of the book and I read the book and Eddie was just in, in, in an act of alcoholism really badly. And, um, there was a lot of sloppiness up on the stage. And, yeah. and, uh, I know they made Michael Anthony like sign over future royalties to, to, to be on that tour. And you know, Michael Anthony keeps, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, granted maybe he's not the songwriter. So there's always some resentment there towards him or whatever that he, he's gotten the bigger cut than they think he deserves. But I don't know. It's, it, again, if, if, if those guys can, can, can bring it around again, I think it would be awesome. You know, um, and I'd like to see Michael Anthony. I'd like to see Michael Anthony, Sammy, and Dave up there. I think that would that would be kind of cool. I wish I could do something like that. I, I saw UFO do that with, um, you know, three of their singers, and that was that was kind of cool. But I think the egos of Roth and Hagar are a, a, a little bit larger than you know, or just Roth's ego is probably. Or maybe it's a lot of people's ego. Yeah, know? maybe it's Roth just not wanting to go on with knowing how Sammy's voice is still pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're we're. You never know. We'll see. Yeah, I I, I think we're we're going to have to end it there. I mean, it was a great discussion. We could go on and on yeah. about this. There's so many, you know, rooms that we can go in and and discuss. But once again, you know, it's it's something that we appreciate growing up with and having their music as part of our our memories of our youth. It's disappointing with the state of where you know where the state of Van Halen is now, but maybe that'll change. Maybe it won't. Who knows? And I'm, I'm glad Eddie Van Halen is, is still alive because it seems like he's had some, you know, pretty pretty low points. And um, for a guy that's brought so much joy, brought a guy who's brought so much joy to so many people, inspired so many people. It's it's you know I'm 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 glad he's. He's still here, you know, enjoying some golden years. Or you know, I, 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 you know, I hope there's some serenity in his life because, um, you know, I, I've, hate, I've hated reading some of those horror stories. But just, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad they're all around. You know, all of them and you know, doing stuff. So yeah. Well, Justin, thanks for the time. Thanks for doing another episode. I appreciate it. We'll do this again. There's a lot of topics I know you and I want to discuss. I appreciate it. Sure. Thank you very much, brother. Sure. And uh, look forward right, to next time. You, Jay. Very All right, buddy, take care. All right, man. Take care. Once again, you're listening right, to The Hook. You. This is Jay Scott, and we'll talk again soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.